Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of finding out more things about what should be put on your character sheet. Mm -hmm. uh, this topic was uh, given to us by uh, one of our, uh, uh, it was it on the TriTac Gamers uh, site. Yep, on the TriTech Games forum site, yes. Okay, uh, by a, uh, a user with the uh, uh, moniker of Dances with Ponies. And he thought that uh, the topic that we did on what's on your character sheet was a really good one, but he wanted to talk more about uh, character motivations. Uh, not player motivations, as in why would you play this game, but the characters themselves. And we talked a little bit about that um, in the t uh, podcast. We talked about difficult characters, and also, and we were talking about what's on your character sheet. But we want to, you know, narrow down, you know, with a uh, uh, chemical laser focus on uh, <laughs> the uh, the idea of play of of. Uh, character motivations as in why are they doing this now yeah, these are things you're not necessarily going to write on your character sheet unless of course you have like a backup piece of paper with your backstory on it so well or, this might be this might be some of the things that you might write on your character depending upon how broad these motivations are yeah, yeah. Or, okay. or, or or if you decide to you know use a totally different like fate these actually would be aspects of your character then well i, su I suppose that Depending on what is your character sheet, let's say for my my default engine D twenty Pathfinder, it would be reflecting your skills and your feats part of your motivation. It just it would it just yeah, you're fleshing out a lot more. You're yeah. fleshing yeah. out a lot more in your head or in a write up. Mm -hmm. But even yeah. skills and feats, you might get an inkling on a character's motivation. So right, isn't there a place for allegiances on in D twenty? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that would probably be your most obvious backstory clue. It also would, it also might dictate what your uh, in Savage Worlds what uh, hindrances hindrances you're taking. So and also um, um, edges. You know, if you're a certain type of person, you may you know hey. You may there are a lot of edges or hindrances that people never take, but yeah, maybe because of the way your character is described, they may actually take one of those lesser used hindrances, like you know, weak or, or small or something like that, to reflect right. their the character background. Okay, so uh, mostly what we're talking about here on motivations, we have internal motivations and external motivations. Trav, what's the difference between the two of these? Uh, internal motivations would be something that your character does 
generally of their own free will. It might be due to upbringing, it might be due to circumstance, it might be due to current life situation. External motivations would be things that other entities thrust upon you. Family, nation, culture, uh, religion. Uh, for example, let's say if you are a fringe-worthy from the Middle East, and I'm blanking on the term for the, the holy man, a mullah. Your mullah tells you you're going to go out onto these paths for the glory of Allah and bring him and this nation, you know, glory and, and honor. So something that somebody else has you go out on the fringe paths for. Another one that we talked about that, that Bruce mentioned to me was your nation tells you go out and find us weapons so we can protect our nation from the, the guy, you know, the barbarians at the gates, so to speak. Yeah, you know, we yeah. You know, there's a there's a kind of a tendency for people because most of our players uh, are probably uh, Americans to say, oh well, America has bombs and all these things. They're, we're we're a big tough country, you know. Sometimes, and but not every country in the world is like that. There's tiny countries that have people like like people from Africa. There's countries in there that are on the brink of war at almost any instance, and they would feel a lot better if they had something that could really turn the tide in their favor if they needed to. Yeah, and also I'm looking at some of the suggestions that uh, dances uh, put up, like, like you, you say you're from Schenectady, and you know, and there's a big to-do, you know, you get a parade and stuff because you're fringe-worthy, and the mayor asks you to, you know, hey, promote this place to those uh, aliens out there so they come visit. That is a motivation, you know, be, a, be, the, yes. be the ambassador for Schenectady, uh, for Schenectady. Right. So I, I broke down the external goals into like five different categories. So, you know, the first one was military. All right. And um, and you mentioned, you know, one, Trav, and uh, another uh, one that was suggested by Dances with uh, Ponies was find intelligent dragons to create a, uh, an, uh, a new wing of our Air Force. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that. I suppose anything goes if if it gets to back to a country that, you know, realizes, wait a minute, anything is possible out there? Oh, hell, find this for us. You know, what, you know anything goes. So. Right. Well, I mean, th think about this is that, you know, cavalry isn't a big deal anymore, okay? Because, you know, obviously horses drop, go f slower than cars, okay? But it's, all of a sudden you had the ability to ride, you know, some gigantic bird of prey or a dragon or something that, let's say its power was psionic versus magical. And therefore they would work in places like Earth Prime, you know where psionics is real, and it is, uh, and so therefore you'd have you could have a could have a wing of uh, of dragons uh, with uh, police officers on them, or military, or anything else, I'm just, uh, or rescue, or even rescue people. I mean, if these things can hover, then can you imagine the kind of you know support that they could provide? Yeah, the, the thing using them in war though, because they're all like massive heat signatures. So like every IR missile just goes yeah, dragon, poosh, and you know there you go. Uh, but still, yeah, I can see them being used for shock and all type attacks, like civil type things. Like oh, we have a disturbance in the capital. Okay, well 
send a dragon that will get everybody back into their homes <laughs> yeah well th- i mean think about your dragons okay they've got you know first of all they're intelligent secondly they've got um superior eyesight superior senses in in general uh they may have telepathic ability uh they you know they they may you know at least if you follow most of the tropes they have a, some kind of breath weapon which depending upon what it is could be you know very useful you know uh in these kind of situations for example uh if your their breath weapon is a sonic type thing well you know and let's and let's say for example that uh they were able to produce the brown note <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, that's going to disperse a crowd pretty fast, folks. If you watch South Park, you'll know what I what what Bruce is getting at, folks. Or uh, MythBusters because they they tried to find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but the point is, is that, that that's you know. Uh, you know, uh, is completely within reason that someone would say, "Hey, you know, let's find something so that this part of the military can basically have, see a renaissance." Well, also, even with a sonic weapon, there's certain, and and I just saw this in one of my uh, my PDFs for making like civil control weapons, a sort of it, it's a field where that you're just off uh, the D20 rule is that you take a minus two to everything because just your hearing, you know, puts you right. off, you know, you're, you're kind you're of deaf. stunned. Well, not so much deaf, but you're stunned. Okay. Yeah. So something like that even could be just sort of a, or resistance field is another one where you just, it sort of just numbs you. Yeah. In, in Savage Worlds, everybody gets shaken. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. until they can recover, they they can move, but they can't do anything, you know, uh, offensive. Yeah, they're just going to want to get the heck out of Dodge, yeah. Yeah, we have real world we, – we have the pain gun, which is a real-world uh, weapon. Basically, it uses low-level microwaves to, to slightly cook you and makes you feel pain, and you just want to get the heck out of the, the, this, that beam when it gets turned on you. Yeah, dragons or other type of intelligent – or not intelligent – Air support, like let's say Griffins, or you know some some fantasy, some flying fantasy creature that could be ridden, right? And but but okay, but moving away from the fantasy animals, okay, back to the weapons. See, the the military spends a lot of money uh, developing weapons, but that's because they have to. What if they went to a war? If you you're going out to all these worlds that, where they had a war. Okay, there's a big te- Commonwealth War that happened out there, and there's got to be stuff sitting around on these worlds. Probably most of it in bad condition, but every once in a while, you're going to find a museum, or you're going to find people still using stuff. And guess what? All that research has been already done for. Well, yeah, even even if you got like scrap and broken weapons, even bringing that back, there's this little concept called reverse engineering where your nation's scientists will start taking it apart and putting it together again and realizing, oh, this is what it does. Make about 40 of these. And and hopefully it's not the case of taking back an iPhone to um, uh, uh, Graham Bell and say, here, here's a phone. He would have no idea what to do with it. So you got to make sure you got, you got to make sure it's within a certain range, I would say. Right. That you I, can reverse engineer it. Yeah, we'll use the robo we'll use the Robotech example since I'm kind of running a Robotech campaign in my uh, Coptics campaign. Um, that that alien spaceship crash landed 
and they managed to reverse engineer technology. In 10 years, they went from PL5 in 1999 to 2009. They were up to, and I think I deduced it was PL7 in a decade. So, yeah, they managed to pick a, what was it, a third of a mile long starship apart and totally upgrade military and civilian tech. And that would make a lot of sense because where there's one, there's got to be more. Well, yeah. Well, you also got to remember the general rule of thumb from what I've heard, Bruce, is that if you make a military stride, it's going to trickle down to the civilian sector in about five to ten years. That's the general rule of thumb for technology found during wartime or uh, that originally made for military use. That's what I've heard the general rule of thumb is for mili- military civilian level technology. So okay, well, I'm just saying though is that you know in the case of, of Robotech, you know they have the spaceship that crash lands. So being that there's probably somebody out there who might want their spaceship back, or at least there might come with a, a functional spaceship, it makes a lot of sense for the world to get together and and try to get at least this ship, you know, get, get a handle on the technology in this ship and rebuild it so they can use it to. Defend and the Earth, which is pretty much what they did. When the original expedition, I'm watching the series now. I'm on like section uh, episode 16 of Macross, um, and also I have like the comic and PDF, the original one. When they went on that ship and found out that the ship was scaled for 50 t- 50 foot tall crew members, that got everybody silent real quick, and that's what ended the global civil war. So they realized we need to make defenses to be able to fight for when the when whoever had this ship comes looking for it. So, right. yeah, when a Commonwealth technology gets back to Earth Prime, it's going to be mostly taken apart and put back together. It depends, because I've also deduced that Commonwealth technology is PL-10, which is Biotech PL-9, because Biotech in, in D20 is one, one PL higher. So they're going to get a PL-10 object... And with PL5 tech, late PL5 technology that Earth Prime originally has uh, in the early campaign, yeah, they're going to be looking at it going, well, we can't do this, but something will come out of it. Some, some lift in the sciences, some lift in science and technology will come out of this seemingly magical object that was dropped into their laps. Yeah. Well, it might not happen that way because it could be that, let's say, this is a world where they, you know, had warfare, but they didn't actually, like I said, they they, they were able to, uh, you know, kill each other off, but they didn't. So they take all this stuff, they put it in the museum, they get the godlike stuff from from uh, the Tamalerns and the Commonwealth, but they still have the stuff in the museum. Then they have the war, and they use the godlike stuff, but the museum's still there if it doesn't get covered over by something, and now it's later, and you find the museum. Well, you know, you could have PL8 you know, stuff and PL9 stuff, you know, or even PL7 stuff that no one's ever seen before because nobody decided to spend the money to do that kind of research. So there's with a million, million worlds out there, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to find stuff that actually might be useful. Okay, let's see. PL5, so PL6 is cutting technology. Even 7 through 9, they're going to look at it and go, hmm, yeah, I got nothing. But they'll be able to pick something out. It'll give them a key to, let's say, our current tech level was um, stagnated at a certain point. There was a block. 
they might find that PL7 through 9 object, and it still might give a scientist in a year or so an idea to say, well, wait a minute, let's try this angle where we were blocked at this particular concept. Oh, okay, you know, it's like how the Termelon were. They all did, everything for them was biotech. And they went biotech, biotech, and they had a, a hard stop. And then they actually turned to hard tech to bypass that stoppage. And then they went back to biotech, biotech. Oh, we have another problem we can't fix. Well, let's go back to hard tech. Oh, we found our thing. Fine. Biotech, biotech. That's how they were. So the humans of Earth Prime, as they find these objects on the fringe paths of, of you know, these WMDs, basically, they're going to find some concept that they can use. And it may not be in something that they have. They may end up finding, because it's biotech, oh, okay, well, we can't use this war application, but look, it's a mutagen, and hey, we just found the cure for cancer. You know, they're still going to find, hopefully, something out of it, but it's going to take years of reverse engineering to try to pick something out of it. Right. But that's not that's not really our issue here. Okay, yeah, right, no, right. Yeah. It's, it's motivation. It's motivations. Right. So now, it, because we're talking about weaponry, uh, it, unless it's actually being something that is being asked to be found by IDET themselves by the IDA, uh, this is something that they're coming to you on the QT. And they're saying, "Look, well, you're yeah. you're a uh, you know you're a Lithuanian, and uh, we need you to find this for us. And you know, d- but don't let anybody else know about it. So you could have a secret. You could have a secret mission uh, that was given to you by your government. And I, uh, you know, we I expect that's probably going to be more the the uh, the truth than the exception. Yeah." Oh, yeah, because you are first and foremost going there as a representative, not of the U.N., but as of your nation. The U.N. is just the person holding the door out to the fringe paths open. They're the oh, ones yeah. guarding the door. You're there for whatever country you're born in. So, oh, yeah. In, in game example, uh, 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 Paul was playing a Victorian. He was approached by the government and told, we want you to, well, we want you to well, secure us technology. And don't let those idiots know you're doing it. <laughs> you know, yeah. So yeah, and he, it, because he had a diplomatic pouch, he could he could put stuff in there, documents, books, iPads. You know, goes right on through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's and, right. Diplomatic pouches. Yeah, can't be pretty much can't be touched. Yeah, like no, no. I'm a courier. I you can't look in here. Yeah. Okay. Um, the whole thing, yeah, with military, it's just, that's going to probably be a very big external motivation for obvious reasons, for the, the security of the nation from which you were, from which you're from. So I, I would see that as a primary external motivation for your character to, you know, step through the portal every day. It's not something that might necessarily be at the start of your career. It could be that here you are as an explorer, you've been going on a while, and you and people have been putting in reports about various worlds, and all of a sudden you get, you know, 
a representative of your government knocking on your door and says, you know, we were reading this really interesting report that team so-and-so did, and we'd like you to get your uh, your crew and go out there and bring this back because we think we'd like this. And, you know, it's it might not be obvious, you know, like I say, it's military usage might not be an immediate thing. It could be, as you just said, Trav, it could be that thing that was keeping something else from happening. But, you know, this is the the thing they think is the linchpin to uh, to make it possible now having the right material, having the right um you know uh, uh circuitry having the right firing mechanism you know having you know <laughs> we want to make a certain type of weapon that can fire a certain grade of ammo problem is all of our metals can't withstand the force of the proposed ammo we need you to find a new alloy out there that can withstand firing this I don't know, hyper bullet that we have hypothesized. Yeah, okay. yeah we, we need you uh, to find something akin to the templates that's in Hardwire Hinterland that'll produce Tamelurn steel uh, in, in of, the, of the quality that we need. You know, now, that steel could be used for a lot of things, but it's definitely going to be used in our next-gen weapons. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and things you don't think would be a, have military application. The comb, the multicolored hair comb, someone realizes, hey... This works in fabric. This works. Does it work on fabric in real time? Suddenly you have active camouflage. <laughs> you know, you have, you know, you basically, you match the background perfectly. You know? Okay. I thought yeah. it could only work. I thought that comb could only be used on hair. Uh, that's the way it's because how it's programmed, but you know, hey, take it apart and figure out how it works. You might be able to make it work on any fabric, on any, you know, anything like fabric or something like that. Fiber, okay. Any, any fiber. Any fiber. So you any have fiber. something that's like a, a shag carpet. You could like run it through it and change colors on the fly as you're doing it to create the patterns that you're trying to do. And depending so, yeah. on how it works, you might be able to actually coat the fibers with this material. And yeah, there you go. You can start changing the color in spots and make a great camouflage color, cam- uh, active camouflage. It won't be like you're invisible, but it'd be the next best thing. You know, you stand, it'd be like painting people, you know, like when you see people have been painted to match the background, sort of like yeah. that. It's obvious, you know, when they start moving or you get a shadow that there's actually a person standing there. But you know, hey, it's it's better than you know saying they're in camouflage, back center in camouflage. Yeah, if if I wanted no one to be able to see me, I mean, the first thing I would do if I was going across the savanna would be to make my hair green, because <laughs> then I would look like the you know the grasses that were surrounding me from the top. You know, yeah. someone was looking down at me. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're from the Robotech world, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, if you were you were in the desert, maybe your hand a little sandy colored. Yeah, or because you're because here you are sitting somewhere and you want to look around, right? You want so you stick your head up, and all of a sudden you've got this, you know, uh, not sandy looking object sticking up into the view of anybody taking pictures or whatever. But if you you know, if you cast it, have it the right color, you know, the right pattern on it, then, you know, it might work. I mean, I mean, they, they could, they, they have people wearing helmets, of course, you know, in military, but you're not a military person, you're an explorer. So therefore you may have all kinds of different stuff. 
And you just need a mesh veil to let you, so you can look through, and the mesh veil has the active camouflage on it, so it helps at least break up the pattern at that point. Well, you're 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 talking about an active camouflage. I'd be ha- perfectly happy with a a good static camouflage that matched the background pretty good. Pretty much, pretty much you push it. You push a button that says sand. You push another button that says wood. You know, forest, like that. Well, it doesn't do that, but yeah, you you can change. But you should be able to change the color as you like it, as yeah. as you're moving it through the and just basically kind of paint. You know, the your hair or somebody else's hair the, the way you want it to. You know, as but you the, as you basically do a brushing mark, you change the color just like a painter would paint a canvas. So yeah. okay, so that's but, but, you're right, John. The, 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 a lot of the, you know, we really uh, wanted. I, I'm sorry, I wanted to do a topic on Tamellar and you know tech. artifacts, but unfortunately nobody really you know grabbed onto that or nobody could think of anything. So uh, because the artifacts that are in the book are there's only a few of them listed, and I'm and really there should be tens of thousands of weird things that you guys yeah. that people could be you know handing out to their players on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I found actually a couple of strange tech generators. Hey, they'd be great for you know for coming up with something like what does it do? Well, I can't tell you, but here's what it looks like. Yeah, well then, uh, put it put it onto the web page then. You know, on, onto the Yahoo's. I'm sorry, Yahoo, the the Facebook uh, page to get the link there. Okay, so that was like military. Of course, you know, there. One of the main reasons I've always said the reason that iDead exists is because Earth is in trouble. Earth has a lot of problems. We're running out of resources. We have a lot of ecological pressure. We have a lot of population pressure. So you know, there's there could be very much a, a number of groups coming to you and saying, "Hey, you know, we have the, we need you to find these solutions to these ecological problems." Uh, and like the the most obvious one is, we need you to find this animal that's gone extinct. You know, we thought we thought there were fifteen fifteen hundred of them. There were fifteen, and they're gone. You know, so. or fi- or find this herb that was really prevalent back, oh, say. Around turn, you know, two centuries, you know, two millennia ago, but it got used up. And the herb is a natural um, uh, um, birth control or cancer treatment <laughs> or cancer treatment. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's a bit like the, the bit from what was it the with the Sean Connery movie where he's in the he's in the Amazon. Yeah, Medicine Man. Yeah, Medicine Man. Yes, where you know, find the species of ants whose whose basically whose poison is also a cure for cancer. Right. Yeah. You know. So, you know, uh, and, there, and there's a lot of other things. For example, um, uh, there's there's been a lot of failures of pest control. You know, there's a lot of yeah. things that used to work that don't really work anymore. Uh, there's cases of where uh, there's been poisoning of the environment, and we don't know how to get it out. You yep. know, we, we, our tendency, uh, at least in America, is to basically say, well, let's just leave it alone for 10, 20 years or cover it over with dirt, you know, kind of like, you know, you know <laughs> sp- oh. spitting on, on a wound and just rubbing it, saying that'll make it better. You know, <laughs> you, you, uh, the long term effects, you know, uh, might be pretty obvious, you know, uh, and so but we may not have a solution. So there could be some ecological uh, de- uh, needs uh, in your exploration. I can imagine finding a uh, a tailored termillon, you know, gunk muncher microbe. You know, you program it for what you're looking for, and it'll eat just that. 
So, so, so yes, you can eat, you can get the uh, pollutants out of the soil. It will eat radioactive material and then secrete it into little nodules you can then bag and dispose of. You know, things like that. Right. Like the bacteria that was made to eat oil. Yeah, right. right. And that, yeah. That and we were and always plastic. afraid that it was. We were always afraid it was going to turn. It was going to change, then mutate, and then go and eat everything else that was made out of oil or plastic. And that can still happen in fringe work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things where once you get to a certain population, there's going to be mutation. Yep. Yeah. Though you can imagine that tamelon stuff that was probably fairly mutation resistant because you know, hey, they know what they're doing. It's right. yeah, it's perfect. It's God stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why everyone always thinks that. But that's probably not what they're going to run into. I, no. I have a feeling that they're probably going to run into stuff, ha- you know, half baked stuff. Because well, it was, a- what they're going to run into is is it, it, the reason why it's perfect and godlike is they kept messing with it, you know, and they kept playing with it and fixing it when it did mutate. So what you're going to run into is the stuff that you can, you can sort of program, but it also self-programs when it feels like it, too. <laughs> well, what I was pretty much imagining was where they're like, okay, we used to have this, we, and, but we, we got it by just asking you know, the, the big system to give it to us. Well, now we're going to have to make it for ourselves. But we know what it's like, so we should be able to reproduce it. And so, of course, they do a half-baked job of reproducing it. It does do what it originally did, but it's got some side effects. Or yeah, it's got some I, some limitations, or it's got some things, some lack of controls in certain areas. You, you know, I bet. I wonder if the big it has to be the big system is probably delicate enough that you can remove pollutants from soil using the big system. Just go, yeah. <laughs> Pulls it out and puts it in a black hole, and we're all good. So basically, you says, "Let's take this plant and run it through a molecular sieve." Yeah. <laughs> Just, and you see this big, blo- this big technicolor blob of you know about the size of uh, I don't know um, uh, Rhode Island, so, you know, appear on one side of the planet and just start f- and just float off and then vanish. Yeah, or or, or or we or we need a terraformer world where we'll just use the big system to basically re- remove the stuff we don't want and put down the stuff we do want. It's terraformed. <laughs> I agree. I think I, I that mean, would be in the technology that would be, yeah, I think we're getting away from, that would be the type of technology where you'd bring it back and just our scientists would be going, um, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and the big system is just that. It's big, okay? It requ- you know, it's not something that you just do with one single world, you know, so it's kind of, un- it's unavailable now. You just, you just hear about what things that could happen in the past. Oh, the things it could do! Back and there are people who are real back- men. And you, there are people... You and your and, little system. Back in the day, we had our big system. <laughs> we didn't have to and, walk uphill both ways to get to a portal. Yeah. <laughs> and there are people who, could, who, who, who experience it firsthand still out there. Right, oh, yeah. Because yeah. they're still alive. They're immortals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or near, near enough... Mi- or near enough for, you know, uh, you know uh, for the matter. Right, and they're missing it, and they want it back. And so they're going to yeah. be trying all kinds of stuff. So, And you can run into those people. So, uh, I mean, and there's always the... Uh, but that's... 
most of the time, like I said, these are motivations. These are goals. So you're not going to have people saying, well, go go out there and find out where all these worlds suffered ecological collapses. Find out why it happened and bring that information back. That's not going to be the kind of motivation that I think that people are going to task you with. It's going to be a little bit more practical. It's going to be, you know, we've got, um, I don't know, kudzu that's you know that's this mutated and now it just it it it's, it feeds itself really well and kills everything that's not it so how do we get rid of it you know other than slashing and burning it which only you know which only works until the next spring when it pops up again so you know you're they're going to be you're going to be looking for practical solutions that are specific to the uh cl- the, the 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 most recent calamity yeah, what you, what you yeah, it's something you actually need a special kudzuing uh, goat that doesn't actually turn into a, into its own menace when it's done eating all the kudzu. Right. If if, if that, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. More, most people would probably be expecting you to find a pesticide, not to find an animal that does it. Then, but of course, herbicide. They're not that, they're not herbicide. that use. They're, yes, herbicide. They're not that used to um, the the, the, the Mellorn way <laughs> of doing things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, any other ecological uh, things that you might be tasked with? Oh, Let's some sort. Oh, so some sort of uh, airborne um, algae that can help reduce carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and reduce global warming. Ooh. Ooh. Let's see. Yeah, probably the United States well, obviously would be big on that one. China, yeah. because after they the Beijing hosted the Olympics a few years ago, their emissions went through the roof because they oh. redid all their freeways and China has more cars now, and they're realizing, oh damn, our well, a lot, are- a lot of that's hydrogen, a lot of that's hydrogen sulfide. So yeah, they need something they can eat hydrogen sulfide and like it. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so airborne uh, type algae stuff that you were talking about, yeah, I mean, yeah, or or super scrubbers for all the smokestacks they got, one right. or the other. Both because work. we're right now talking about the possibility <laughs> of of using some kind of a uh, modified algae to take the uh, uh, the sulfur dioxide out of Venus and actually turn it into an Earth like world. Yeah, and make it also lose about a thousand atmospheres of gas but yeah well that no that's <laughs> the atmospheres is a result of the sulfur dioxide yeah it, but it's mostly carbon dioxide though so you'd have to then eat all the carbon dioxide yeah, and yeah. then you still you still end up with a lot with, with a standard you know standard issue manure load worth of oxygen you gotta deal with then because it's too much you well, need, you, yeah, John, you need John, you, John, you don't, yeah, yeah, we don't, yeah. need, we don't need the blow by blow i mean <laughs> yeah. you know if they're going to do one thing they're going to do the rest yeah Okay, I mean, it's not like a one-step magic bullet process, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. But the point is is that there, this is something that we're considering as a as a pos, as a as not a pie in the sky possibility, but a real possibility. It's so much so that there are ecological groups out there that are, that are saying we should leave the solar system the way God made it. Okay, rather than going out there and changing it. You know, it's uh, that was in um, uh, Don't uh, Robinson's uh, Mars series about Mars being changed from the way it was and how that was a bad thing. Uh, and I'm sure that people feel the same way about Venus. And I personally think that we should go and terraform Venus, but that's uh, that's just me. 
Yeah, there there is a small but there is a small vocal group out there too saying we can't do we can't touch Mars or Venus because there's life in both worlds. You know, there's the mysterious methane emissions on Mars that they still haven't quite figured out if, if they're chemical or life. And there's folks saying, well, you know, it's quite possible there's life in the upper clouds of Venus. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if there is, I I, w- I would hope that during this. That someone would do. I think they should send more probes there. Give some more money to NASA. That's what I. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. All right. Moving on to, of course, the big topic: religion. Yep. I mean, oh, yeah. As you just said, you know, uh, I mean, every uh, evangelical religion is going to want you, the the explorer, especially if you are a professor professing that particular faith to go out there and spread it through a million million worlds yeah like i said you're, let, let's say you go out you're you are fringe worthy and you're oh a lowly herder from northern iraq you're going to have your mullah come up at you and say yeah, you need to profess the faith out there and convert the heathens out there because, you know, there's a lot of worlds that are not as enlightened as we are, so to speak. And you could have that as any religion. I'm not picking on Islam. No, no, don't, we don't want no hate mail now. Any religion that is evangelical in any way. Uh, doesn't even evangelical. How many uh, Catholic priests out there and clergy? 100,000? One, one of them is fringe-worthy. And then, and they get a special meeting with the Pope at that point. <laughs> See, now I wouldn't do that. That would be the shin dizzle. There, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing who. <laughs> that would that, that's not a wake up call. Yeah. Look, if I was a Catholic and I was fringe worthy, I'd have the Pope calling me and saying, "Son, I believe God's calling you to a higher purpose." <laughs> yeah. He says, you know, uh, after you finish your training, you know, we're going to put you on a, uh, you know, uh, a, a a home study program of of priesthood. It might take a couple years before you're actually good enough to be a an actual priest, but you know you you we we think you should do this, and then you become a real priest, and you can start you know performing the uh, the the you know the various uh, masses and things like that on an alien world, preaching the good word. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, be, become a Jesuit. Yeah, which is one of the Catholic orders. Jesuits become a Jesuit, or you could become a bishop. Okay, eventually. Because remember, you're you're a prisoner explorer. You can live a long, long time, mm-hmm. and and what you start out there on the fringe paths can grow. Oh, I can I can see this now. Where you know, the the current pope passes away, and they have the convocation. And they said, "You gotta come back, your high, your 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 pat your your popeness." Grace, grace. <laughs> it could happen. Your holiness, John. It's your holiness. Your holiness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised Catholic, and there's that little part of my childhood right now is just twitching. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I'm a mixed marriage. My dad was Lutheran, my mom was Catholic. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm a, I'm a Catherine. I'm doing the cross line here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, in the, in the various evangelical Christian uh, groups, various, you know, uh, I would say even amongst the uh, the Jewish uh, Jewish uh, follow you know, people. You would get something. Well, there is no like, there is no nothing equivalent to a um, high priest because you know there's no more um, Kohans. 
to Cohen's uh, to, to be priests. But yeah, you still would get, I would imagine, you know, at least a visit from the, whoever current, the prime minister of Israel is. Well, yeah. John, there's no more Cohen's on Earth Prime, but it doesn't mean there are any Cohen's out there. You yeah. Know, bring some back. Add them, add them to the population on Earth Prime. Okay, stop. Just a second. I'm gonna. It's it's my my warm up act is Jewish, and whenever he brings up something of Judaism, I'll use this term. Enlighten this lowly Gentile or this lowly Goyim, Kohan. Oh, I'm missing something here. The, it was basically the religious line in the uh, the base of the priests were all more or less in one family, the Kohans. Okay, all right. I, it's just something I never come across. And, 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 yeah, basically the Kohen is the, is the current, you know, maybe like, like Kohenny or something like that. I forgot what the original pronunciation was, uh, but yeah. You mean the you mean the Levites, right? Yeah, the Levites. Yes, yes, the Levites. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I actually, I, I, a little, I hate to do a little aside here, but I have to do it now because no, you don't. Uh, one of my hardwired hinterland adventures. Well, it turns out there are these four guys who were basically running the destruction of the Temple of David with this box. And they made a left-hand turn. And they ended up on the hinterland with the Ark of the Covenant. Ouch. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that they... I'm sure that if you were Jewish, uh, I'm sure that uh, the, the various uh, religious orders, Jewish religious orders, would say, if you happen to run across the Ark of the Covenant... Just sit, just sitting around, you know, somewhere. Not saying you should take it from any any other alternate world where they've got the ark. But I'm just saying, if they're willing to, like, you know, let let it come visit us, <laughs> okay, we'd like that. Well, there'd be some there'd be some Christians who wouldn't be too, you know, that would Happy. be pretty keen on that happening too. Remember, that is considered also a Christian. Holy yep. artifact, not just Judaism. So, yeah. I'd, um. Well, and as far as Christianity is concerned, I mean, because of time slipped worlds, you know, you might uh, be able to get your hands on a uh, earlier version of the scriptures. Yeah. That, you know, and because I mean, a lot, there's a, a lot of, um, uh, there's there's a lot of difficulty in establishing the veracity of of a lot of scriptures because oh, because a, a lot of them happened you know uh, they were the events that they're talking about were written down you know ten to a hundred years later but it doesn't mean that they were not originally written down at the time but they were collated together by somebody and that document now exists from like a hundred years later so oh, if Bruce, you, here's something that's good intact versions of the Dead Sea Scrolls because most of them, you know, are like, you know, curled up and dried yeah. up and yeah. Sure. Intact versions of those. Yeah. Sure. Re so, um, and, oh. and not just that. I mean, you know, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of religions out there, you know, I mean, the, the, we, we, we make fun of it, but you know, the Norlanders, um, they, uh, they, they're still believers in Thor. Okay, so yeah. going oh, some, Satru, yes, the new the neo Norse religion, yes, right. Satru. So I'm sure they have scriptures that they'd like to get their hands on in an earlier, you know, more intact version. Oh yeah. So let's you know so because they because Thor, you know, the, Thor is is to them is very real and and is just as uh, powerful and and present as uh, <laughs> you know, as the Holy Spirit is in Christianity from their point of view. I'm, I just had a flash in my head real quick. 
a Norlander comes to Earth Prime and sees the Avengers and just goes, no. That <laughs> 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 just flipped through my mind real quick. Okay, well, back yeah, on track. <laughs> that, well, that would be sort of like, um, you know, some of the South Park uh, representations of Jesus. Oh. That, that's what you'd find in their culture when they talk about this Christianity subsect that, that's that's uh, kind of a fringe group on uh, on Norland, uh, on Orlander world. Is it? You know, I can't remember the name of the actual world name, but uh, yeah. So I'm I'm just saying though, there's you know when we talk about religious groups, we're not just talking about Earth Prime because there's the Alien Core, all those all those uh, allied worlds out there. Their religious groups are going to be wanting to promote what they want to do too. They they want to come to. I'm sure that there's going to be some delegation of uh, uh, of Thor coming to Earth Prime and very seriously trying to pass on the truth that has been forgotten. And there's enough neo-pagans out there that would actually be like, wait, what? These people worship who? Rock on! And just, you know, they... Oh, you know, yeah. a, a world where, where the Romans did not, you know, basically destroy the Celtic religion, the, a, a true, accurate Celtic religion, which is probably nothing like the reconstructed version that's out there right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's be real careful about the word true, because it's yeah. an alternate, so it's always going to be an yeah. alternate. Right. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's why there's no that's why there's no prime directive because you know it's all variations. <laughs> so yeah. I feel that there's probably going to be a very strong external religious thing, and and I, I, I'm sure that IDED has a lot of things saying you're not allowed to do this, or you're not allowed to do that. But ultimately, once your team is out on the fringe paths. You know, the only thing that's going to stop you is the other team members and, of course, the reactions of the people you're talking to when you go to those alien worlds and try to pass on the one true way. Yeah. One of my characters in the playtest played an evangelical priest. Okay. <laughs> you had a minute. Yeah, it was a TV evangelical priest. So whenever oh. he came back, <laughs> so whenever he came back, he'd get back on and tell him what he found and what, what the new truth is and everything that good stuff. <laughs> Well, uh, more power to him. All I can say, you know, it's uh, I, I admire people who who are willing to, you know, uh, play a, a character. Hopefully, not as a total caricature, because you know the. Oh, you! I think you met him. He was at Gen Con. Rev Mindy. He was actually. He was in. The, we were in the uh, Miller breakout scenario. Okay. Yeah, you, right. I think you met him. Okay, so we've done military, we've done ecological, we've done religious. What are other external motivations? Statist, which means, you know, our country and, and our national culture is the greatest in the world. And everybody out there needs to emulate us. Okay, one word here, folks, and just it'll say what we're trying to say here. America. Just that type of mentality. The Hey, North Korea. Well, I, I just <laughs> in whatever country, but I mean, for most of us, just when when people say America in that particular term, yep, it evokes a certain image, especially in the past couple years, of yep. just the and there's a term I'm blanking again, jingoistic, jingoistic, yep. yes, jingoistic USA number one USA, the Lean Greenwood song, you know, oh, it just that type of national pride where you're taking that on the fringe paths and you might see let's say a culture oh yeah that'll go over real well let's say you recreate the 
mission where Idet brings in the Golden Horde. Somebody that jingoistic, ooh, that would be a slippery slope. <laughs> I'm reminded of Jay's failed campaign. Uh, in it, he basically had a jingoistic, uh, the character was playing the general in charge, and my lord, he was American. He was, he was General Rip, no, General Rip, Ripper, General Patton, all, you know, General Custer, all rolling the one, and he was, you know, basically, he, he was completely scared, you know, whatless of uh, what could come through that portal. <laughs> yes, was good for America, is good for the multiverse. Yeah. And he wouldn't, and he wanted an all-American team to go through first, not this international stuff. Well, see, that's the thing. Many national, many national statist attitudes on a team together because, first and foremost, if you were playing a straight-up United campaign, it's going to be an international team. If you were playing it directly as in the PDF slash book, you're going to have Chinese and Australian and, and people from various Middle Eastern and African and European countries and South American. And you're going to have all these ethnocentric views. And there's going to be a lot of... And, of course, you don't want to go into stereotypes when you do this. No. But you're going to end up having, unfortunately, that one nasty stereotype talked about in the 60s and i believe there was a book by that name the ugly american sure yeah that smacks of caricature you're just going to you know where you're going up to the natives through a portal and talking in in just loud in english hi we're from united and we're here to bring you a better way of life you know just that uh, oh uh, you're doing the wrong accent son hi we're here from united Oh, you're you speak this language. Oh, you talk funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's like like all the the people that uh, went to some of the island cultures and made all the women dress up, you know, in Mother Hubbards because they were they were too exposed. I mean, there is an uh, American ideals uh, of, of of especially freedom, uh, especially freedom, democracy, and you know, they're going to see. Oh, come on, you have this monarch thing? No, you would need a bunch of representatives voted by on all of you to represent yourselves. Right. You can have a monarch, but he needs to be an elected monarch. Right, yeah. And and it's okay to have a House of Lords, but they should be elected House of Lords, okay? And so forth. And, and, uh, you know, it's good to have uh, at least a two-party system so that one side, you know, can... Uh, so you can create a situation where they're against each other, and then and nothing gets done. Whatever's the best idea will percolate to the top, and then everybody gets to vote on the best idea. But right. if you have, but everyone just sits around and agrees all the time, then you know you're never going to you know get to the bottom of what really should be done. Percolate. Uh, the uh, divine right of kings. I mean, there's going to be some worlds out there that believe that you know that monarchy isn't just a good idea; it is a divine idea, and everybody who isn't using it is basically uh, denying themselves the denying the will of God because that's who established it in the first place. Yeah, I can also see some nations going. Well, we want you to find another Iran, and then we want to you know basically. Join them. We want to start forming this, you know, this super nation of individ of you know, on alternate worlds, 
but they're all one nation. <laughs> it won't work, but there's you know I can see people trying to do that, try to unite all the all, all all one nation into well all the various alts into one nation, which probably won't work because because they're alts for a reason. Well, Victoria's trying to do that right now with the alt that's on Earth Prime's node. Yep, and also with Earth Prime. Well, no, oh yeah, that's right. Unita closed that world off to exploration. Yes, is not subordinate to Ida. They're partners. They're going to say, we don't have to listen to your directive on that world meeting shut off and walk right in. I assume that they did it through their agreement with Teus. They basically got Teus agreements to support the exploration um, uh, and the and the early days of the um, uh, Alien Corps by saying, "Okay, look, you know, if it is a if it's an obviously primarily Victorian culture, it's yours." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you know, you get to explore it. You get to make the first contact. Yeah. You'll contaminate it far less than we will because you guys are practically the same. Right. You're the most qualified. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way about a lot of other worlds like the Golden Horde. Any of those worlds, if they find a world that's very similar to, to their culture, it would make sense that they would be the ones doing the first contact because they're already unconsciously going to be using the proper behaviors to make the contact good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you do have a difference of a couple – uh, probably a couple of decades. Like the the one in the, on Earth Prime uh, is about uh, it's in the seven eighteen seventies. They're they're the eighteen eighteen nineties eighteen eighties eighteen nineties. So yeah, there's a de- couple of decades. So if you if you spend some coinage, it may get caught because it has the, an older version of Queen Victoria on the coin. <laughs> I, I don't see that as a problem. Yeah, that's that's it's it's gold. So yeah, it's gold and silver. Just bring gold yeah. and sell it. You know, sell it yeah. by sell it by the bar. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so I'm sure somebody will buy it from you and give you local specie. But then you have situations like like uh, Pax Romana. They're unique. They they're not going to find a, a a Pax Romana just like them. They're going to find more traditional Romes and have to deal with those. You know, and that may actually be be some friction. There. Yep. No, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that I understand the idea. To me, it's like if you have two cultures that are practically the same, then I can see where the, that somebody would say, hey, hey, we should be the ones making the first contact or, or making the negotiations because we're, you know, like minded. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the status, the status uh, model. I know that there is a prime in the negative 100s that's an Egyptian-based prime. This is just a scenario idea. I might be going a little off-tangent here. You have the Coptics coming in from one way and Idet coming in from another, and just that type of friction between those two, because the Coptics are going to blend right in. IDET's going to want to bring them up to speed and make you know give them better technology and everything. That would be just a heck of a scenario. I mean, it touches lightly on the status ethos, but still, just that came to mind because I remember reading through. I have all three portals books printed out, so I've got everything in a binder. And just that one Egyptian-based world, it's like negative one oh eight or something like that. The prime, and just that would be a cool adventure to do. Just I I had. But your your status and and status had ethnocentrism. Let's 
use that as a, a, a different term. Yeah, I just use status because that word means that. It means, you know, it, it's related to the needs of the state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One, th- one thing I had the Victorians, my Victorian character players uh, playing Victorians, was that they more or less were told, you know, set up dip- diplomatic, exclusive diplomatic relationships with, the, with, with England and the British Commonwealth. You know, exclusive of whatever relations they had with, Un- with UNITA. But basically, they want more or less direct, direct diplomatic relations with England. I mean, basically, it's it's Elizabeth's great grandmother saying hello, <laughs> right? And and I don't think I I debt would stand in their way. I don't think they could stand in their way. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, there'll be a there'll be a, a, a ambassador's office. basically as they get more fringeworthy through, they'll have an ambassador's office in in Sydney and England and so forth. They'll have you know, basically there'll be and they're trying to get trade between the two of them going right. And and why would England not want to be a, a close association with a version of themselves that still ruled most of the world? Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. The the whole phrase "the sun never set on the British Empire." They said that for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the remember the United Nations, especially in the fringe-worthy game, is technically not a world government. No, it's no. more just an international forum of nations getting together. Okay, we have something that's crossing national borders. We need to all sit down and see how this affects all of us. It, it, it's more of a discussion group than anything. It's not a government in any sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a forum for, for providing consensus and, and, you know, and discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically a big NGO, you know. That, that sounds so dirty, John. Yeah, <laughs> but but UNITA but UNITA is the organization or agency they've created to actually deal with with it. So it's actually not a separate ent- entity that uh, where I'm saying it right now. It's a separate entity, nominally under control of the Security Council because it does affect the security of the world. But it's more or less, it's an independent entity that they can operate and, and deal on its own with the with the alternates out there. But the thing is, they're basically controlling the portals, but it's the member nations still that make up the group. Therefore, if America and Russia and all them, you know, and I'm trying to remember the five on the, the Security Council, it's... United States, Russia, China, Britain, and France, yes. Let's say you have... Britain wanting to do that. Let's say, oh, you have another agency out there that is British in origin, but just from 100 years ago. Yeah, we would like to. And and Britain being a, a permanent member of the Security Council, they're going to have that sway. Now, if it's a, a lesser United Nations na- member nation like, oh, Zimbabwe, it's going to be a little harder to do. Britain? I think they 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 the other nations couldn't stop them because well it's Britain you know just they're uh, well they have veto power they have veto power they can simply veto start vetoing things and prevent anything from happening until they get their way yeah Nigeria used to be a huge culture 
but it but it's faded. But what, say there's an alternate out there that you know where it didn't, where Nigeria can, as went on to rule most of the world, or at least a big section of it where the portal is. Well, they come back and they take a look at Nigeria on Earth Prime, and they says, you know, we need to go and send you know some uh, some some help to that country, you know, and that country's like, yo, yeah, come help us. And all of a sudden, you know, you got uh, basically that, that alternate is supporting Nigeria the way that uh, China supports North Korea. Yeah. And don't forget, there's a sizable um, number of Jews in, in Ethiopia. Now imagine a world where the diaspora is segregating to Europe and so forth. They all decided to go to the other major re- Jewish religious state, Ethiopia, and all of a sudden you have this large Jewish state in the middle of Africa, which is also a mixture of you know of, of um, uh, Semitic and African people, and now they're being contacted by an Ethiopia that isn't quite like that. But yeah, we're still Ethiopia, right? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm blanking on the old term for Ethiopia, Abanus? No. But in, yeah, in Roman times, they were still called Ethiopia. E- so there may have been a, a Abyssinia or not Abyssinia. I know what you're saying. I've seen it before. It's it's a more yeah, of a. Yeah. It's it's in it's in the Semitic tongue, um, one of the Semitic languages. I can't remember what it is. Ethiopia. It's very very sounds very sounds Greek. So probably it's Greek. It's yeah. The Greek Any, name. Anyways, the <laughs> uh, alts out there that are run mostly by one nation or culture. Yeah, they're going to look at Earth Prime and say, well, wait a minute, hold it. Your world, you're still just there? I think that's going to be a case where you're going to find cultures being brought back and they're going to want to establish a relation with mm-hmm. the the nation on Earth Prime equivalent to them. And so, yep. yeah, you're going to be having a lot of different ults coming to deal with diplomatic matters with their brothers-in-arms, their fellow countrymen, so to speak, there's going to be a lot of intrigue because okay, oh, we got to bring through the the alt Ethiopian ambassador, and we got to bring the alt British ambassador, and we got to bring the alt Lithuanian ambassador. And I can see after a while, you know, Idet's just going to be going, "What did we start? <laughs> what have we done?" Well, when the, when the Mongols come visiting, you know, from from the Golden Horde, uh, they're they're fairly close to when. Um, you know, Genghis Khan died, and they they probably know where he's buried. One of the gifts of the Mongolian people is where he's buried. <clears throat> you know, knowing where he's buried, but only the Mongolians, and make sure none of those Chinese know about it. Um, sure, might could call it actually could cause civil unrest, and we could actually see a war at that point. Oh, I'm sure that uh, knowledge that man was not meant to know is sooner or later going to come filtering off the fringe paths back to Earth, and it's going to cause problems. Sure. Yeah, of course. That that's real, that statism. What, what I imagine one of the other is knowledge. Am I correct? No, mo- just simple knowledge would be another motivation, external motivation, or would that be an internet? I don't think so. I mean, I I really think the external goals have to be more specific. Yeah. You know, knowledge of this, knowledge of that, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know there's going to be someone out there saying, if you can find anti-gravity out there, you know, there's a there's a five, $5 billion, you know, grant that can be made to, to whoever, to yourself and to whoever you want to give it to. Yeah. 
I mean, it'll be big, you know, uh, ed- educational conglomerations that'll say, you know, we really would like to be known as the place where this has been, this was researched and given to the world. So we will give you money or uh, or respect or you know various kinds of uh, uh, honorary type degrees or whatever if you can find this information out there because this is something we really care about. Yeah. So yeah, state, statism, ethnocentrism, a lot of different, and and of course those the other previous external motivations could all fall under this one: military, ecological, and uh, religious. Oh. And and the last one I have uh, for external goals is humanitarian. Oh yeah. Which also, which also could be an internal goal as well. We're not saying these can't be internal goals as well, but I'm, I'm just saying is that I can see humanitarian goals as you know, is, is a, a big one because, for example, the UN itself has a Bill of Human Rights, and everybody who joins IDET is going to be expected to uh, adhere to that Bill of Rights. Ah uh, yes, the UN Charter printed in the back of D twenty Fringeworthy. Yeah, right, exactly, and and that's and, and so therefore that external goal is going to be given to the explorers by IDET itself. Yeah, yeah. You need to promote these ideals first and foremost. Yeah, this is how you need to conduct yourself when you're out there on the fringe pass. You may be working for America or Russia, but we're the ones. The UN is the one controlling the portal. Therefore. You are also working for us, and because we're the ones giving you the chance to explore, we ask you to promote these ideals first and your nation second. Yeah. But they're also going to come with a kind of an emotional thing, saying, you know, these are the best of breed, you know. Uh, this is the best of humanity, and we want you to show the, the the multiverse out there. You know the greatness of Earth Prime. Yeah, we are the good guys. And these, and by using by promoting these humanitarian goals, you know the, that's something that you can do. So, for example, um, you know humanitarian goals, uh, looking for disease cures, looking for treatments of specific diseases. Um, looking, uh, making sure that every place you go, you teach people how to use proper sanitation. Uh, you know, it's 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 basically built into your marching orders that any world, you know, that any any village or whatever you go to, you have to leave it better than you than you came. Now, do you understand that there are some pitfalls in that? You go to a slave owning society and you try to convince them to get rid of slaves. You best be ready to have your running shoes on at that point. Uh, but it may it may leave a mark. You may still leave it better than you left before. But you know it, it may not. You may not be successful, and that's what you got to remember. It may be the the spark that fires the revolution after you leave. Yeah. Yeah. But you could also instead of just coming in and saying slavery bad, you could say instead, "Hey, let me let me introduce you to the mechanized cotton gin. Let me introduce right. you to you know." Um, International harvester, international harvester, or um, factories that can do textiles and things like that, and, and and you essentially give them technology that will make the ownership of slaves uneconomical, 
And your goal is to get rid of slavery, but you don't do it by coming in and just saying, you know, that you're wrong, morally wrong to be doing what you're doing. You say it's not good business. Yeah. And that's usually going to work better because historically that's what really happened. I mean, we, America, you know, we had a war over it, but the fact is it was really an economic war. Yeah, I remember when the, when the, when it was founded, you could find slaves as far north as New York. Oh, yeah. You know, or maybe a little farther north. I'm not quite sure how far north they got. Until they passed the laws you know, forbidding slavery, slaves were in every state in the nation. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and, even, and even before that, you know, the, you know, places that didn't allow slavery still allowed indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. And you know, we 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 have a form of indentured servitude today, which is called credit. I, I mean, temp, at certain attempts like the Pullman town, where he basically where Pullman controlled everything, it didn't work because well. They could leave the town and go someplace else. Yeah, but like, for example, those coal mining towns where the company store was where you bought everything and you couldn't – nobody else was allowed to buy to, – to open up a business in those towns because the entire area was owned by the company. So, you know, there was definitely a, a very close analog to slavery there. You know, yep. if you tried to leave, they would arrest you and throw you in prison because you were running out, you were running out on your debt. I owe my soul to the company store. <sighs> so anyways, so I can see you know a lot of you know humanitarian goals being you know forced on the on the idea explorers. Well, that would be along the lines of you know especially when all of these planet-wide storehouses of food are found. Oh yeah, we yeah. found this there's nothing but canisters of rice. And all of a sudden, you know, China and Africa and, you know, India and all this are like, oh, really? Oh, well, that needs to come back here because we've got, you know, millions of starving children here. And then they find out there's no way you can move that effectively along the fringe pass. Yeah. Uh, you, even if you had, uh, you know, the infamous Australian uh, uh, truck trains, you still can't carry enough to make a difference. You know, uh, you'd every every French worthy would have to be dedicated to moving that stuff. I mean, and you, that's what we found out when we did the um, uh, the "They're All Dead" um, uh, adventures. When uh, it's on the all, it's the prime that's got the zombie Earth. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's it's, it's within the, um, the 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 main core group of, of fringe worthy. There were went in there and they, we found people who were like. You know, a couple hundred of them. They're all, you know, living within, you know, uh, some buildings on stored supplies, enough food for ten years, and then what happens? You know, there's, you know, uh, there were like, one. There was like a thousand people there, and they were going to run out of food within like six months. And they're like, "Bring us food, you know, you solve the problem, do something." And we're like, "Okay, yeah, sure, we'll do that. We'll be right back." And they never came back. They got out before they before the people realized that these people were not going to help them. Fortunate, but true. I mean, there's really no way to move enough food. The manufacturing world, and of course, some I imagine some of the agriculture worlds, stuff is stored. As it starts going bad, eventually it will go bad. It gets recycled and composted and put into the soil for to be farmed. 
But there are going to be places where, you know, they're going to see a golden opportunity, you know, to go and, and you know, save the day where there was a famine, and like a, a rust kind of disease and killed off all the, all the, 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 the rice. And so they bring in, you know, a, a couple metric tons of rice and they, they can start planting their fields again and they grow their own crops, you know, and, and you save them from extinction or, you know, you, you, you tie them over long enough that they can actually solve the problem themselves. I mean, there are going to be opportunities to do that. And, and you know, those kinds of humanity. And I'm just going to say, we want you to do these things because then we can go back and say to the rest of Earth is funding us and saying, like, look, look at the good we've done. This is why we're here. This is why you're sending your sons and daughters out to, to explore and die uh, on the fringe passes because we're able to do these great things. We're able to, you know, well, the, back to the status thing. We're able to show everybody that Earth Prime is the is the greatest prime there is because we care about these other people and we're helping them when they, you know, in their time of dire need. I can I can I can see the, the documentaries going, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, because one of the things my team uh, I had in my team was that basically once they get went through and they waited the ten minutes for the electrical charge to come back, they would strap on their body cameras and turn them on, and they never turned them off unless they had, you know unless for you know for obvious reasons like going to the bathroom. But yeah, they recorded everything, you know, and there's like thousands of hours of recordings that people are are leafing through trying to see what you know find information that they may have missed. You know, they looked at something and didn't realize what it was. Well, how's that a humanitarian goal, John? No, but, but it's, it's a way of, of, of doing those document documentaries. Oh, okay. So you're, you're talking about how to do a documentary. Oh, okay. France. It, it doesn't actually want anything special. It just wants you to find a world where the virus that killed off French grapes didn't kill them off. In fact, they're resistant to that virus and bring us back rootstock. Right. So we can have French grapes growing on French roots, not American roots. There you go. That's status. That's both status and that's also both ecological. <laughs> restore, restore that which was lost. Sure. Okay. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.